Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a pre-recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. Today we are talking about self-care in this time of pandemic. With me, Dr. Travis Mickelson, the Associate Medical Director for Mental Health Integration at Intermountain Healthcare, and Dr. Ann Pendo, who is the Senior Senior Medical Director for Experience of Caring at Intermountain Healthcare. How do we, I'm not sure who wants to start. Travis, maybe you want to start here. How do we recognize when we actually need that extra support? Well, this is something that Anne and I were talking about, and maybe I could focus specifically on teenagers for a, for a moment, because I think our teenage population is, is one group that is really struggling since teenagers are just, they are so wired to be with their friends and away from their parents, and we're forcing them to be at home with us and not able to be not able to be with their friends where they would like to be. And so Anna and I were, were talking about how do, we, how do we be there for our teenagers and know when our teenagers need help. And one of the things we agreed on is, you know, we just have to make sure that we create those moments and opportunities because we don't know when our teenagers are going to want to reach out to us and talk with us about how they're feeling. And so we need to make sure that we provide those those opportunities and, and spaces because you just never know when your teenager is going to want to to reach out. And I think that that might be a model that we could that we could follow as we think about um, our own self-care is uh, regular check-ins. And if we just get used to doing regular check-ins, you know, there maybe several days out of the week we might decide we're actually doing quite well, but there might be one or two days out of the week that during our regular check-in with ourselves, we might identify that this is definitely one of those days when I need to grab the dog and go for the walk, uh, uh, get up into to nature and spend just a few minutes just looking out at the mountains. And so that might be one way we could approach that. Anne, would you, what would you like to add? I think that with, as, as we think about recognizing um, the need, I think Travis's point about being I'm going to say being present and aware of what's around you and those around you is really important. Um, I think recognizing that you don't need to fix it for someone, whatever that you think that fix is, 
but being able to just sit with them, be with them, listen to them, let them tell their story, what they're feeling um, is really important. And I think I like the idea that Travis shared of having those regular check-ins because then it becomes starts to become a habit of how we're looking after and for each other. I think what you're saying is so important because I think oftentimes as a parent, even though my children are now young adults, I want to fix everything. I'm always the one that thinks, oh, I need to fix something. And if I don't know how to fix it, then I am just kind of at a loss. Yes, that's our, I think that's our mindset as, as parents and um, certainly something that I've had to learn as I parented children. And now, um, now I'm more of a consultant because my children are grown. But I think practicing the just being present and not attempting to fix or solve is, is really important. My youngest child reminds me often, mom, I just want you to listen to the story and acknowledge how I'm feeling. I'm not asking you to fix this. And that's a good reminder for me because I uh, automatically go into that fix mode. And as I think about, you know, that this is a way to connect with people and create that safe space for them to share. I know that you had wanted to talk about, you know, what happens when you're having that conversation and someone shares something with you that may indicate that they need additional support or additional resources that really are out of our expertise. And I know Travis has worked hard on putting some things in place that are really important. So I'm gonna pass the mic over to him to talk a little bit about that. Yes, this is something that, that we really want to make sure that your listeners are aware of. During this time, when we are social distancing and a lot of businesses seem to be closed, um, your primary care doctor is still working. They are still able to, to meet with you and do a visit with you via video visit, your therapists. So all of the adults, all of the people in our lives that we've turned to for support are still there and able to, uh, to support us. So I want to make sure that that's one thing that we, we all realize. Uh, we've also at Inner Mountain developed an emotional health relief hotline, which is a toll-free number that uh, any, anyone can call from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. And when you call that number, you will, someone will pick up the line, an actual human, not a computer, and they will be able to spend several minutes listening to your story and will be able to help you navigate uh, all of the resources that we have available in our community to find the right, the, the, the right resources, the right services for you, including, uh, you know, the very worst case scenario is if you identify someone or you yourself are dealing with thoughts of suicide or thoughts of not wanting to be alive or wanting to hurt yourself. We have, we have lots of resources and services in place to support you uh, during that time. So it's very important that uh, if we do identify either within ourselves or one of our loved ones who is struggling, that all of the resources and, and services that were here before the pandemic are all up and running. 
I think I should take this opportunity to give the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline if there is someone who knows someone who needs a little extra help or if you need help. The number is 1-800-273-8255. You can also call the University of Utah Statewide Crisis Hotline at 1-801-587-3000, and I will give those numbers again at the end of the program. And talk for a minute about... Um, the emotional elements that cause us to maybe not take care of ourselves. For example, sadness. A lot of us are having vacations that we're having to cancel. We're not having a lot of things that we can look forward to. We're we're afraid the concert or our road trips are not going to happen. Uh, Talk about how those things really prevent us from really taking care of ourselves the way that we should. Well, I think that as as you were talking, I was thinking of all the things that I had been looking forward to that were getting that are now being rearranged or postponed um, because of our changes in our our life today. And I I think that acknowledging this the sadness, kind of the grieving that I'm not going to hold that grandbaby in my arms, and that vacation that I've planned for a year isn't going to happen. Um, acknowledging the feelings of sadness that go with it rather than trying to pretend that I'm not disappointed is really important. And that to me is a step of self-care, is recognizing that I was really looking forward to those things and I'm really sad that that's not gonna happen for me. That's been really useful. Travis, what would you add? Well. I, I was thinking about just my role as a parent and thinking about all of the children and, again, teenagers out there that are also dealing with a huge amount of loss. And I think Anne's right. The way to think about it is that that grieving process. And so for us as parents, how we can support our children and our teenagers who are dealing with this is really uh, giving them a space and an opportunity to express those emotions and to let them know that that's okay and that's and that's normal for them to experience this, and that we don't have to solve their problems. We can just we can just be there to listen and and, and to support them. Um, I think that that's really an important thing for our children and for our teenagers because as they are dealing with this uh, really unprecedented time that they're never going to forget, uh, they're going to be experiencing this stress in a lot of different ways. It might. It might seem like sadness one day and anger the next day and, and uh, frustration and anxiety and worries and withdrawal. And one of the things that they're going to be looking at as they're trying to process all of this and find ways of coping is that they're going to be looking up to us as parents. And so it's so important for us as parents to make sure that we are really uh, managing our own stress and really role modeling for them how to how to how to cope, uh, how to use good, healthy strategies. Um, this is probably one of the most powerful times we have as parents to really influence the way our children and teenagers manage with stress because we know that they will be dealing with other stressors in their future. And so it's a great opportunity for us as, as parents to be role models. Right. And did you want to add something about that modeling and the importance of it? Well, I do think that our children look to us as examples. And I used to believe that it was um, not okay to describe the feelings that I had when I was disappointed or sad. And um, being able to put a name to the feelings that I have is a really great way of 
showing them that, that this is this is healthy, this is what we do. When I'm feeling this, this is the name for it. Giving that uh, name somewhat gives you that sense of power. I'm looking at Travis across the lobby as we're talking and he's shaking his head. What else would you say to that, Travis? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And it's, it, and not only do we take these opportunities to show ways of coping positively and expressing emotions, but uh, again, we're all humans and there are gonna be times that we're gonna be frustrated, uh, I'm sure if my teenage daughter were here, she could identify a few times last night that I seemed to be a little bit irritable or short with her. But it's just, you know, it's just that keeping that real between us and it really has made it easier for me and my daughter to connect because not only do we realize, not only do I try to catch her and find her really doing things well and coping things well, but she's also realizing that her dad who spends all day giving people uh, instructions and help and support also makes mistakes too, and that's okay. Right. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk much more about this. You're listening to Healthy Mind Matters. I want to give that National Suicide Prevention Lifeline again, 1-800-273-8255. We'll be right back. <laughs> 